بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So continuing with the theme of what's been spoken about tonight with regards to intention, with regards to the heart and the rectification of the heart, the Salaf they used to say, with regards to that, مَا عَالَجْتُ شَيْئًا أَشَدَّ عَلَيَّ مِنْ نِيَّتِي يَوْمًا لِي وَيَوْمًا عَلَيَّ أو يَوْمًا لَكَ وَيَوْمًا عَلَيْكَ that I did not have to deal with anything more difficult upon me than my intention. I've never had to deal with anything more difficult than my own intention. One day it is with you, one day it is against you. The Salaf they meant by that, that you have to constantly revise your intention. Constantly keep the intention in check that it is sincere for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of the affairs that you conduct. So now, when it comes to worship, no doubt we know that intention and sincerity is one of the pillars, one of the pillars for the correctness of worship. The two pillars being sincerity and following the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-ikhlas and al-mutaba'ah. So no doubt every individual needs to ensure that every action that is done, is done sincerely seeking the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ that they were not commanded except to worship Allah sincerely, sincerity in religion, hunafa upon tawheed. This is what is required of every believer. Then when it comes to worship, further than that, it is required from every individual that he have focus, concentration, submission to Allah, in every act of worship that he conducts. Submissiveness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in every act of worship that he performs. Because that submissiveness to Allah, it is part of the definition of your worship. Your worship is that you submit yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Submit yourself, humble yourself, and worship your Lord in humility, with love and fear and hope. And at the head of those worships, at the head of those worships, is the prayer itself. It is mentioned in the narrations, that the first thing a person will be tested on, on the day of judgment, أَوَّلُ مَا يُحَاصَبُ عَلَيْهِ الْعَبْدِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ الصَّلَاةِ the first thing that a person will be accounted upon on the day of judgment is the prayer. 
So if the prayer is correct and good, it will be written down as correct and good. As it mentions in the hadith, Allah will say to the angels, look to the prayer of my servant. Look to his obligatory prayers. So if they are complete, they are written as complete. But if they are deficient, then Allah will say to the angels, look to the supererogatory prayers of my servant. So that it can be taken from there an amount to fulfill, to complete the deficiency which exists within the obligatory prayers. So no doubt, this prayer has a great station in Islam. The second highest pillar after the shahadatain. So if a servant can perfect his khushu' in his prayer, then certainly that will aid him in the performance of all of the remainder of his worship. If a servant can ensure that his heart is in the correct place, his heart is in the correct state, when it comes to the obligatory prayers, the supererogatory prayers, then that will aid an individual greatly in terms of the remaining acts of his worship. Because the servants of Allah, they differ in their levels. They differ in their levels of worship. They differ in their rank when it comes to their obedience to Allah. Just like it is mentioned in the hadith of Jibreel. The three different levels of the believers. The opening level of the believers indicated by Islam. The higher level of the believers indicated by Iman. And the highest level of believers indicated by Ihsan. Ihsan and ta'bud Allah ka'annaka tarah. فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكُ That you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if you see Him, but certainly you do not. But no, indeed Allah sees you, and He sees what you perform, what you do, what you say. So when a servant realizes that, realizes that all of his actions are seen, that Allah is as-sami' al-basir, the all-hearing, the all-seeing, that all of your actions are witnessed and observed and recorded, then this will enable an individual to have a greater level of khushu' in his prayer and in the performance of his other obediences and actions. Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ that indeed the believers are successful. Believers are successful. Who believers? Which believers? What is the description given regarding them? الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ Those who are in their prayer upon khushu' submissiveness to Allah, with that focus and concentration, humbling yourself before your Lord, those believers who perform their worship in that way, then that is a sign of their success. And that is why the scholars they mention regarding the Prophet ﷺ, how he used to say to Bilal, radiallahu anhu, قُمْ يَا بِلَالْ وَأَرِحْنَ بِالصَّلَةِ 
Stand, O Bilal, and make comfort for us with the prayer. Meaning stand and make the iqama, make the adhan, make the iqama so we can pray. Because that prayer will bring comfort to our hearts. That prayer will bring ease to our hearts. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ used to say that the prayer is قُرَّةُ aini. It is the coolness of my eyes. That whenever the Prophet ﷺ used to have anything which concerned him, anything which troubled him, it's mentioned in the sunnah, in the seerah, that when that used to occur, he would go and pray. Because in prayer, that would take away these thoughts of whatever was concerning him, whatever was giving him trouble in his mind, that he would go and pray, and within that prayer he would find the comfort in his heart. He would find the serenity and the peace and the tranquility in his heart. And how would that not be the case? In the hadith it is mentioned, أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونُ الْعَبْدُ إِلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ رَبِّهِ وَهُوَ سَاجِدٌ أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونُ الْعَبْدُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ وَهُوَ سَاجِدٌ The closest a person is to his Lord is when he is in prostration. The closest a servant is to his Lord is when he is in prostration. And throughout the prayer, even if you examine the opening parts of the prayer, when you are standing reciting Al-Fatiha, the scholars they say you should remember when you are reciting the Fatiha, it is like a conversation between yourself and your Lord. You are calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that Fatiha. When you say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, then Allah replies, and you say, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Allah replies, Maliki Yawmiddin, Allah replies, it is in the hadith mentioned, how Allah says, my servant has praised me, my servant has extolled me. So that has a response occurring from Allah to the servant. In other narrations it mentions that when a servant is praying, then your Lord is before you. Your Lord is in front of you. Not to say that He is in front of you here in this world. Allah is above His throne. But He is in front of you. And Allah is all capable of all things. So when a person reflects on these things, reflects on the names and attributes of Allah, reflects upon His aqidah, then you start to realize the importance of having that focus and concentration in your prayer and in your other forms of worship and to ensure that your heart and your intention is in the right place for every act. Here as Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala mentions, Al-Khushu' kama qala ahlul ilm huwa sukoonul qalbi wa tumaneenatuhu بِحَيْثِ يَظْهَرُ ذَلِكَ عَلَى الْجَوَارِحِ The khushu' in your worship, in your prayer particularly. The khushu' what is it? It is the tranquility of the heart. That your heart is at ease. Your heart is settled. And you have peace within of yourself. 
such that this tranquility and comfort in of yourself that you experience when you are worshipping your Lord, it manifests itself upon your limbs. So the one who has that peace and tranquility and comfort in of himself when he's praying, that will manifest itself upon his limbs. You will see him focused and concentrating, as opposed to the one who does not have that inner comfort in his prayer, that settled heart in his prayer. And so the fidgeting occurs, and the movements occur, and the distractions occur for him. So this indicates a lack of khushu'ah, indicates a lack of focus in his prayer. So the shaykh says, أي أن يكون القلب ساكنا مطمئنا لا يفكر ولا يلتفت لشيء لا يتعلق بصلاته that the heart is calm and settled and it does not think about anything else or become distracted by anything else which is outside of his prayer ثم يظهر أثر ذلك الخشوع القلب على الأطراف then that internal خشوع it will manifest itself upon his body. And that is with all of the affairs. That's why the scholars, they mention, you benefit from the scholars, from the knowledge, but you also benefit from them in their actual mannerisms and how they are. Benefit from them in seeing them, how they are, how they sit, how they talk. Because that internal Khushu' that they have when performing their worship, performing their affairs, it manifests itself upon their limbs in how they talk, how they are mentioning Allah constantly, how they are mentioning the Messenger of Allah constantly, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, mentioning a hadith, ayat constantly. And that's why it is mentioned in the sunnah, a gathering which does not have the remembrance of Allah in it, then it is a gathering which is not uh, does not have any baraka in it. So that inner khushu' manifests itself upon the movements of a person, upon the way that he behaves, the behavior of an individual. But the one who does not have that inner khushu' doesn't have that iman and knowledge and settled heart, then his external outward movements you will see something which indicates Anxiety in the person indicates that he's not at ease and he's not comfortable. So the Sheikh says, when you stand for prayer, then you should know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is before you. And you should know that it is mentioned, إِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ إِذَا قَامَ فِي صَلَاتِهِ فَإِنَّهُ يُنَاجِي رَبَّهُ That when one of you stands in prayer, then you are calling upon your Lord. You are calling upon your Lord. It is not just robotic memorization of the words to say them. And that's why the Sheikh says when you pray, don't pray with just your bodies. Bodies, physically you are praying. When you're in the congregation, standing behind the Imam, physically you're praying. You're doing the standing, you're doing the rukur, you're doing the sujood. You're following the imam, physically your body is praying. But internally is your heart praying or not?
This is where the Shaykh says, the difference is between the people. The one who prays physically with his body, and the one who prays with his body, and his heart internally. For many people, the prayer will just be a bodily prayer. Do the movements, recite the supplications, automatically memorized, without understanding, without thinking about what you're saying, without thinking about the Fatiha, and that this is a call upon your Lord, that you're praising Allah, you're asking Allah, making dua to Allah, saying Ameen at the end, because you're asking Allah to answer the dua that you just made, without focusing on any of this, then where will be the khushu of a person? How will a person submit and have that humility in his heart if he doesn't focus and ponder on these things? The Shaykh says, هَذِهِ الْمَعَانِي الْعَظِيمَةِ لَيْتَنَا نَشْعُرُوا بِهَا عِنْدَ الصَّلَةِ These great things, if only we thought about them when we pray, if only we thought about these types of things when we pray, then that would be a great aid to the rectification of the heart. The Shaykh says, if we thought about these things, when we pray, you would come out of the prayer and the state of your heart is different to the state it was in when you entered the prayer. Your heart would come out in a different state if you focused and thought about these things. You thought about that you are calling upon Allah and Allah is responding to you in the Fatiha. You think about the other du'as that you are reciting in the prostration that you are reading, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, that Allah is far removed from any deficiency or shortcoming, the Most High. The Shaykh says, look at that, think about that. In the prostration you recite, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, my Lord is the Most High. How befitting and how suitable it is to recite that dua in prostration. Because you as the servant of Allah, have lowered yourself from your upright position and high position. You have taken yourself down from your high standing position into the ground, lowered your most honorable part of the body, your face into the ground, where the people's feet they tread upon, you have completely lowered yourself as a servant, and then in that state of absolute lowliness, down on the ground where people's feet are, you then make the dua and say, but my Lord, He is the most high. You are currently physically the most low, yet you say, my Lord is the most high. How appropriate, the Shaykh said, you make that dua, how appropriate that is as a sign of your submissiveness to Allah lowering yourself to the ground, and then saying, my Lord is indeed the Most High. If a person pondered over these types of things, the Shaykh said, you would come out of the prayer with a heart different to the heart that you went into the prayer with. And that's why the scholars, they mention how important it is to focus on your worship when you perform it. And do not perform your worship bodily, physically only without your heart being connected with it. Because in that way, the benefit is restricted. The benefit is restricted. The key is the heart. Just like it is mentioned in the hadith, that indeed in the body there is an organ, 
There is a part in the body, if it is rectified, then all of the body will be rectified. What is it? The heart. And if it becomes corrupt, all of the body becomes corrupt. So guarding over the heart is something important. Guarding over the heart and ensuring the heart is alive and benefiting, that is important. But if a person performs his worship, without any focus on his heart, without remembering this act of worship, he's doing it, why? And for who? Without remembering that he's doing this act of worship for Allah, his creator, desiring the reward from Allah, without focusing on what he's doing, but it becomes, as the Shaykh says here, an automatic routine. A person begins to do things routinely, praying even routinely. Everything is just a routine. There is no focus when the worship is being done. Even if a person with other forms of obedience, with other forms of obedience, whatever the obedience may be, if there is no focus, then that obedience simply becomes an automatic action that you're not really benefiting your heart with. A person gives in charity, and he regularly does so. But it becomes routine that he gives and he walks out as the people sometimes do. And they don't focus and they think that this act of charity, what a great reward there is from Allah. سَبَعَةٌ يُذِلُّهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي ظِلِّهِ يَوْمَ لَا ظِلَّ إِلَّا ظِلُّهُ Seven groups that Allah will shade on that day when there is no shade except His. And from amongst those, a man who gave in charity with his right hand, so secretly that even his left hand did not know what he was giving. His left hand did not even know such was the sincerity and the secrecy of his action desiring the reward from Allah. When a person has knowledge of those things, then your action becomes superior. The action could be the same. But one person benefits more from it, and his action is more rewarded, and is superior to another person doing the exact same action. Why? Because one of them understands what he's doing, why he's doing it, who he's doing it for, the reward that Allah has promised the ones who do it. He knows that. He knows the ahadith about this action. He knows what the salaf used to say about this action knows about those affairs of this worship. So when he does it, he has all of that knowledge behind why and who for, and the reward behind it. He knows all of that when he's doing it. That person will benefit more from this particular worship than a person who does not have any knowledge regarding it. A person who doesn't know the meanings of what he's reading in the prayer. He doesn't know the meanings of what he's reciting in the ruku'ah, the meanings of what he's reciting in the sujood. The meanings of what he's reciting in the tashahud, sitting down. Doesn't even know what he's actually reciting. His prayer will count. But the one who comes and prays and knows about the prayer and the status of the prayer. And how it was obligated on the night of Al-Isra Al-Mi'raj. How Allah initially obligated it as 50 prayers. And then when the Prophet ﷺ came down to the sixth heaven... And he came across Musa alayhi salam, 
And Musa alayhi salam said to him, What has Allah decreed upon you? What have you been commanded with? He said, Fifty prayers. Musa alayhi salam said, Qad jarrabtu qawmi qablak. I have already experienced my people before you. I have experienced Bani Israel and how they were. And I'm telling you, 50 prayers will be too much for your ummah. They will not be able to burden it. I've already experienced it with my people. So go back and ask for something lighter. So then the Prophet ﷺ returned and it was reduced by 10. So he came back and said, 40. Musa salam said, I experienced my people. I do not think your ummah can burden 40. And then he went back again and came back and went back and came back until eventually it was down to 5. And again in the narration it mentions, Musa salam said, I experienced my people, Bani Israel. Five in the day will be too much. But then the Prophet ﷺ said, لَقَدْ إِسْتَحْيَيْتَ I am now shy to return again and ask for any further reduction. But the point being, the fact that Allah initially obligated this prayer as 50 prayers, then that indicates to you how beloved an action it is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How beloved an action it is to Allah that it was obligated as 50 prayers initially, and then it was reduced, but the reward was maintained as the reward of 50. So how does a person maintain his khushu' in this prayer and all other forms of worship? With these great acts of worship, we know that the shaitan is enthusiastic and keen to enter upon a person to ruin that worship for him. He is keen and enthusiastic to ruin that worship for that person, particularly the great forms of worship like the prayer. So the Sheikh says, لَمَّا كَانَتْ هَذِهِ الصَّلَاةِ أَعْظَمُ عَمَلٍ يَقُومُ بِهِ الْجِسَمِ سُلِّطَ الشَّيْطَانُ عَلَى بَنِي آدَمْ فِيهَا because this worship is the greatest act of physical worship you do with your body, the shaitan has been given that entrance into it. The shaitan wishes to come upon a person in it. Until the shaitan comes and he makes a blockade, a distraction between you and your prayer whilst you're praying. And the shaitan will say to you, Udhkur kada, udhkur kada, udhkur kada. Think about this and think about that and remember this and remember that. Shaitan comes and whispers to you during your prayer, causing your mind to be distracted to this and to that. But the amazing thing is, the Sheikh says, as soon as the person finishes the prayer, all of those thoughts that were running around in your head whilst you were praying, as soon as you finish and give the salam, those thoughts go. They disappear. When you walk out from the prayer, you're not thinking about the same things you were during the prayer. During the prayer, thoughts come to you. All types of things that have no relevance. All types of things that you wouldn't think about outside of the prayer. Yet the shaitan, he attempts to cause that to occur. In the narration it mentions, أَخْبَرَ بِأَنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ إِذَا أُقِيمَةِ الصَّلَةَ جَاءَ إِلَى الْإِنسَانِ when the prayer is established, the iqama is done, in the hadith it mentions that the shaitan comes to the person and says to him, Udhkur kada, udhkur kada. Think about this and think about that. 
Remember this and remember that. Think about this, think about that. Shaitan comes to a person when the prayer begins and says that, whispers that. لِمَا لَمْ يَكُنْ يَذْكُرُ حَتَّى يَظَلُّ الرَّجُلُ لَا يَذْرِكَمْ Things that a person would not even think about otherwise. But when the prayer starts, all of a sudden random thoughts about this and about that, shaitan comes to input them into the person. So much so, as the narration says, that an individual forgets how much he has prayed, what he has prayed. So then, what is the cure to this? How do we make that focus in our prayer? How do we ensure that our heart is praying along with the body, not just the body alone? The shaykh says, no doubt there is a cure, because every disease has a cure. This is a disease. The shaytan coming and whispering to you in this way and causing the distraction in the prayer of a person. It is an illness, a disease that occurs. But with every illness and disease, there is a cure. مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ دَاءً إِلَّا قَدْ أَنزَلَ لَهُ Allah did not cause any illness to occur except that He revealed a cure for it also. عَلِمَهُ مَنْ عَلِمَهُ وَجَهِلَهُ مَنْ جَهِلُ Those who know that cure, then they know it, and those who do not, they do not. So what is the cure? The Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِذَا أَحْسَسْتَهُ فَتَعَوَّذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنْهُ if you perceive that the shaitan is whispering to you, the shaitan is coming upon you in the prayer, then seek refuge in Allah. And spittle to your left three times. This is the cure that has been mentioned in the sunnah. One of the companions he says, or one of the men he said, فَفَعَلْتُ ذَلِكَ فَأَذْهَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَنِّي I did that when the whispers used to occur. I did that and it caused or Allah caused those whisperings to disappear from me. The shaykh says, Allahu Akbar. How amazing this is now. When you put the right treatment for the right, med- for the right cure, it, uh, for the right uh, illness, it cures that illness. So this illness of whispers that the people experience, reducing reducing the reward from the prayer and the benefit that they achieve from the prayer, then the cure to that, as the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned, is to seek refuge in Allah from the shaitan, asking Allah to protect you from the shaitan, because that, is exactly the same as what is mentioned with regards to reciting the Qur'an. When you recite the Qur'an, فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Then seek refuge in Allah from the shaitan before you begin, so that the shaitan does not come to whisper upon you during your recitation, and does not cause you to lose your focus and be distracted in your recitation, and does not cause you to make mistakes and errors in your recitation. So you seek refuge in Allah, you ask Allah for aid and assistance in your worship, because the one who can guard over these prayers, the one who can guard and preserve the khushu' during his prayers, then you will see with certainty the great impact that has upon your lives. Imagine now the Prophet ﷺ saying to Bilal, whenever something concerned him, make the iqamah. Let's pray. Let us pray. Now the people are the opposite. When something concerns them or grieves them, they don't want to pray. 
And when they do get up to pray quickly, they'll pray so they can sit down and start thinking again. The reality is the opposite. When something concerns a person, then seek aid and assistance in prayer. Istainu bisalah, as Allah said in the Quran. Seek assistance and aid through prayer. So when a person focuses on the prayer, and we've used that as the example tonight, to mention as a whole the issue of your heart, and the khushu' in your heart, and the focus and the sincerity in your heart with your worship. Because if a person can rectify his prayer, and you can pray with focus and submissiveness to Allah, understanding what you're doing, and you come out of that prayer with ease and comfort in your heart, if you do that five times a day, then that five times a day, one prayer to the next prayer, it keeps your heart connected to Allah. And that is why Allah mentioned in the Quran how the prayer, it prohibits and it prevents the fahsha, the munkar, the evil and the lewd acts and the wrongness. It is taken away from you when your heart is connected to Allah with that prayer. And that is why Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala used to say, he mentioned that there are two types of hearts. The heart of a person that is alive, and the heart of a person that is dead, even if it is still beating and the person is still walking and eating. How is that? The heart which is alive is the heart which is connected to Allah, in remembrance of Allah. With the morning supplications, afternoon supplications, evening supplications, du'as in the prayer, after the prayer. Keeping all of that in order to keep the heart connected to Allah constantly. That is the heart that is alive. As for the heart that is dead, it is a heart which may still be beating. And the person is still walking and the person is still eating and drinking. However, his heart inside is dead in reality. Because it is a heart that is void of any remembrance of Allah. It is a heart that is void of Qur'an. Heart that is void of the sunnah, void of knowledge. Then what is in his heart if the Qur'an and the sunnah is not in his heart? What is it filling? What is filling his heart if knowledge of this religion is not filling his heart? What is filling his heart if it is not the speech of Allah, the Qur'an? What is filling his heart if it is not the sunnah, the revelation? That is what should be filling the heart of an individual. That is what will bring life to the heart of an individual. But the one who has no knowledge, the one who does not have any understanding of the Qur'an and the sunnah, nor does he make any effort to gain any understanding of the Qur'an and the sunnah, then his heart, what do you expect that it can be full of? If it is not full of knowledge, then it is a void, it is a vacuum, it is empty. And that is what the scholars mentioned, Ibn Qayyim mentioned, is like a dead heart, even if it is beating. No knowledge in it, no khushu' in it, no connection to Allah in it, no remembrance of Allah in it. So make sure that you are from those whose hearts are in reality alive, not physically just alive and beating, but in reality spiritually alive. And not to be from those whose hearts may physically be alive, but in reality they are dead, because they are void and uh, empty from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's what we'll conclude with that brief reminder. Time is running short. 
Uh, we'll conclude and round off that small reminder regarding khushu' regarding uh, guarding over your hearts, uh, in order that perhaps now we can have a small session with questions and answers for whatever anybody has. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he gone? So if there are any questions then, and we're able to answer them, you can ask, inshaAllah ta'ala. No, it doesn't necessitate that. That hadith is talking about how a prayer, a person when he prays, he may come out of the prayer even though he's prayed the full prayer, he's prayed it. But he comes out with only half of the reward, or a quarter of the reward, or a tenth of the reward. The hadith is referring to the fact that a person may pray, but exactly what we've been saying, his focus, his khushua, his heart is not in his prayer. Bodily he is praying physically. Inside his mind is somewhere else altogether. So when he comes out of the prayer, he's only received a small amount of the reward for it. Even though he's prayed it all. But the whisperings, the mind wandering away, no focus, no khushu' or minimal khushu'a. Then as a consequence, he comes out of that prayer not having achieved and gained the full reward of that prayer and the full benefit of that prayer. So he comes out with less, but that is just examples to give that. The one who focuses and uh, prays with the full khushu'a then it is expected that they will receive the reward. A person who procrastinates, or how you pronounce the word, the one who puts things off, can't be bothered to do it yet, he says, I'm going to do it later on. This type of action, the easiest or the best response to it is the statement of Ibn Umar. Ibn Umar, radiallahu anhuma, what did he say regarding this particular issue exactly? A person who leaves off his actions till later. I need to do some Quran, I'll do it tomorrow. I need to do some other worship, I can leave it till later. It's okay, it's open. A person who delays and delays, or sometimes even more than that, when people say, when I get older, then I'll start going to the mosque like the uncles do when they get old. I'm young yet, I'm busy. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. Gotta wash my car, gotta keep the aloes clean. When I get old, then I'll start going to the masjid. What did Ibn Umar say about this type of thing? إِذَا أَمْسَيْتَ فَلَا تَنْتَظِرِ الصَّبَاحِ وَإِذَا أَصْبَحْتَ فَلَا تَنْتَظِرِ الْمَسَاءِ If you make it till the evening, then don't expect to make it till the morning. Don't wait till the morning. And if you make it till the morning, then don't expect to make it till the evening and wait till the evening. Do your worship and your actions in the opportunity that you have. خُذ, he carried on to say, خُذ مِنْ حَيَاتِكَ قَبْلَ مَوْتِكَ Take the benefit from your life before death comes. Take the advantage, the time from your life before death comes. And prior to that, مِنَّ صِحَّتِكَ قَبْلَ مَرَضِيكَ When you are in good health, take that opportunity before illness comes to you. So Ibn Umar, he mentioned, if you get to the evening, don't wait and expect to arrive till the morning. 
And if you get to the morning, don't wait around expecting I'll do it in the evening. When the time comes and you have the opportunity, then do your actions. Because you do not know when that death will come upon you, whether the evening will arrive or the morning will arrive. MashaAllah, some news here saying that a young sister has just taken her shahada. So this is very good news to hear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has enlightened and guided an individual to this religion of tawheed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, وَأَنَّ هَذَا صِرَاطِي مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ Indeed, this is my straight path, so follow it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides the people. Guidance is of two types. We can guide the people by showing them what is right and wrong. By showing them what is tawheed and what is sunnah in opposition to bid'ah and shirk. Showing a person how to worship Allah properly in the proper Islamic manner in oneness to Allah, without any partners. That we can show the people. But the guidance of the heart, the inner guidance, that is not in our control, that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a great blessing, that Allah guides a person to Islam. That Allah guides a person and removes them from darkness into light. Removes them from the lack of guidance into guidance. And yet there are so many people out there who have not received that guidance yet and they have not accepted that guidance yet. So this is a great blessing that Allah has guided this particular sister. So hopefully now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or for the sister particularly that she may be firm and learn the religion and strive to learn how to worship her, her Lord and how to worship in accordance to the Quran and the Sunnah in order to be a rightful servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is a blessing from Allah, this guidance. And it is a blessing that Allah gives to whom He wills. And Allah is all wise in His actions in everything that He does. If there's nothing else then, we'll conclude upon that tonight. So Jazakumullah Khair for your attendance and for benefiting. Uh, every week we have a gathering here. The same time every week. Every week at 8 p.m. There is a regular lesson that goes on here in this center. Uh, particularly now on the topic of Tawheed. The book Kitabut Tawheed. And that is ongoing and it continues to be taught every Sunday 8 p.m. So you should all make that effort. Make the effort for yourselves, for your friends, for your families to come and to educate themselves regarding the religion. Every person needs to strive with this knowledge. Like we've been talking about now, sincerity of your heart and the khushu' in your heart. All of that will come with knowledge. The more knowledge you have of Allah and your religion, the more stronger, the greater your iman will be in your heart. So you should strive for this knowledge and make this effort once a week. There is one lesson a week here in Leeds. This lesson on Tawheed, on Sunnah, explanation of the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah. So you should strive to attend every week at 8 p.m. At this hall, the lesson continues. So inshallah ta'ala, that's where we're going to resume next week at 8 p.m. So up until then, we'll conclude for tonight. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.